0: Welcome to Hoops Coaching A to Z with Coach Terry Canova. This is a deep dive into everything coaching. Join my husband and his coaching friends from around the country as they explore the ins and outs of their profession. Big thanks to everyone who's contributed to making this podcast a huge success in its first year, reaching over 14 countries. Please continue to help the podcast grow by subscribing, leaving a five-star comment, and sharing it with your friends. Here you go, sweetie. I think you can take it from here.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode. Special episode this week. I've actually got a good buddy of mine. uh, I guess about in that 2013-2018 range. uh, He's coaching at the University of South Alabama. And I was blessed enough to be working with his wife and uh, having his daughters at my school. And then all of a sudden he disappeared. And uh, went to San Antonio for a minute, and uh, but now he's back. Uh, he is the head men's basketball coach at the University of Mobile, Coach Darnell Archie. What's going on, Coach?
2: Coach I appreciate you having me on. Um, I've been waiting for the invite, and I finally got it. I feel like I've made it. now this is uh, I'm blessed to be on here, and glad what you do for the basketball community. I'm looking forward to being just a little bit a part of it.
1: Well, you know, it was gonna happen. It was gonna happen eventually. Uh it's crazy. I I had Coach Fowler on here uh a couple episodes ago and I kind of told him the same thing. So it's like the, sometimes the people closest to you end up being the ones that you you yeah, I guess maybe take for granted is the is the right way to put it because uh no. just now getting Coach Petrie on, who was one of my bosses, uh just now, getting Coach Fowler, who his his arena is literally a half a mile from my house. Uh, but uh, there was no way we would we would do this podcast without eventually having you on here. So excited to have you! And like I mentioned, uh, it's it's kind of different because uh, of all the coaches I talk to, I probably talk to you as much as any coach on the planet but it's always something different. Sometimes it's one daughter, sometimes it's another daughter, and sometimes it's just basketball.
2: It's always in passing. You know, I love coming on campus at UMS Wright, where my my family lives there, basically kind of where you live. That's the part of the business. Uh, But just seeing you in passing and watching your program over the last eight or nine years, I'm excited that my daughters will be a part of that one day. Um, You know, I got a freshman now that's getting a little taste of it. So we'll see how that goes. But it's um it's it's hard to believe. It goes fast for you when you those who have kids, it, it goes, it's hard to believe my daughter's a fresh.
1: Yeah, it really does go fast. We actually just dropped our our baby, uh our last one, uh dropped him off in uh at, at Alabama a few weeks ago. And uh my wife is losing her mind. Uh, I- Yes. <laughs> She's losing her, mom. her baby is in Bama. Oh yeah, yes. Well, well, Coach, uh, we're going to talk about uh, you and your team, and and uh, and and talk about the University of Mobile. But but I think the 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 best way to start this is your your origins and and at at Butler. You know, most people these days are familiar with the Butler men's basketball program. But you and and you you can go through some of this and clarify some of these, but but you were on one of those teams that really kind of start putting those guys on the map. And and uh, uh I'll let you get to talking about your your uh your March madness uh stuff but uh you know let's just say coach Rick Pitino's probably doesn't have you on his Christmas card list these days, I would assume. So tell, tell us a little bit about your Butler origin. There.
2: Yes. So, um, take it a little step further. Um, before I grew up in Indiana, you know, a city called Newcastle, Indiana, the town's about 17,000 people, but our high school gym seats 9,500. Um, so world's largest, and finest, as I mentioned, high school gym in the world. Um, and I grew up going to games with five, 6,000 people to those. And then my couple of times my sophomore, junior, senior year, I played in front of almost 10,000 people in high school basketball. So it's king. Uh, as I tell people, imagine football in, in Alabama. That's how basketball is in Indiana at the time growing up. Um so I was blessed enough to get a scholarship to Butler University. It was not, as you mentioned, it wasn't the Butler that we know today, going to NCAA tournaments and final fours. Um, I went there with a, a group of guys that we had a vision and a goal to get, get Butler kind of on the map in a sense. Um, so in Indiana, it's all about Indiana University and Purdue University, and we were tired of that. So. By the end, you know, we made three NCAA tournaments. You know, we won my sophomore year. We went to the round of 32. And then my senior year, we went to the Sweet 16, uh, upset Mississippi State and Louisville. And the best part about it for me is it was at the BJCC, which is now called the Legacy Arena. You know, that, that day I had 26 points, somehow made eight three-pointers against Rick Patino, And it was my one shining moment. As I tell everybody, um, just accumulation of, of hard work that I got to finally show it on the grand stage. And that was my best game I've ever played. And I was blessed for that. And, um, and then from there, Butler went on to the final four about several years later, but we were part of that team that kind of put him on a, a regional map in that sense.
1: Yeah. You know, that was one of the questions I was going to ask you. Um, it's pretty well documented that that game against you guys in Louisville. So, uh, so, so that was, in your opinion, maybe maybe one of your best games at the right time,
2: huh? It definitely was. You know, we and we had a team. You know, you look back at those stats. We had five guys that averaged anywhere from ten points to twelve points per game. So we didn't have really one star standout. Uh, so you didn't. It was kind of pick your poison and you know louisville at that time was a team that pressed and luckily we had a six ten center that could handle the ball and a tough gritty point guard to handle the basketball and they called me da or arch they said just go stand in the corner and they beat the press and i was just happen to be the recipient of um them pressing and then finding me at the right time and i made the shots that night
1: nice fun fun and so um in your league there um uh, one of the things, I, I didn't know that until till recently. I was kind of looking. In your league was was another prominent person who's in Alabama, in the state of Alabama right now. Uh, Coach Bruce Pearl was coaching at uh, Milwaukee at the time, right?
2: We had some battles back then. Yes, he was there my junior and senior year. He took over for um, Bo Ryan, who was at Milwaukee, went on to Wisconsin. Yeah. And then Bruce Pearl came up from southern Indiana to Wisconsin, Milwaukee, and man, he can sell water to a whale. Um, <laughs> he is unbelievable. What he did at Auburn, he did the same down in Southern Indiana, and he did at Milwaukee. Just he rejuvenated that basketball community. I've never seen a student section chant a coach's name. Uh, I remember seeing 3,000 people in gold shirts at Milwaukee chanting Bruce Pearl, and I'm like, this was unbelievable. So to battle him and to challenge them um, for the horizon league title at the time was something special. And you could see 20 years ago that this guy was going to be one of the big names in college basketball.
1: Now, now how are you guys today? I mean, obviously he remembers you because uh, you know, you were on his scout report at least three times a year for those, those two years. Uh, are, are y'all, are y'all friendly? Do y'all get a chance to communicate much?
2: We do. When I see um, uh, you know, this has probably been a couple of years, but on the road recruiting, uh, he recognized me. You know, our, my senior year, we were both battling for the Horizon League. Our teams were battling for the Horizon League championship. And it was at Hinkle Fieldhouse, 10,000 people sold out. They were up one or two, I can't remember. I think they were up one with four seconds to play. And he denied me the ball. He denied our, soft, our seniors the basketball. And a freshman caught the ball, dribbled it up court and made a three to win the game and everybody rushed the court. We always talk about that play. And he mentions it, that he said, I knew exactly what you guys were going to run. And I told our guys what you were going to run, but I didn't tell them how to defend it, how to guard it. Uh, and that's something that he always shares with me that he remembers to this day, like next time I know a play, I'm going to tell him exactly what the action is, but how to stop it in his mind. So he learned from that.
1: Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, so you have your one shining moment at, at Butler, you, you go out, uh, w- you know, w- with a great year, a uh, great story. So, so where's the coaching part come in? Did, did you always know you wanted to be a coach or how, how'd that come along? Come along? You no,
2: know, after I decided that um, the NBA wasn't right for me um, in a sense, I'm kidding there. The NBA told me that. <laughs> but 155 pounds shooting guard at the time wasn't uh, in the, in the cards. I, t- I joke with my kids all the time that I was Steph Curry before Steph Curry. Now, what are you that close? But um, <laughs> I shot from the behind and did all those things. Um, yeah. Did not want to coach. I had no aspirations of coaching. Uh, got into the – I tried to go play overseas in Australia. I was a Harlem Globetrotter for two weeks. And after that, I was like, I got to get a real job here. So I got into the business profession, and I realized that I missed basketball, something terribly. So after six months in the business world, tried to get on a couple of colleges. I didn't. And I was a, a high school basketball assistant and JV coach. My first job at a school called Carmel High School in Indiana. Um, and my first job, we coached a guy named Josh McRoberts, who was a McDonald's All-American, went on the Duke into the NBA. And I thought this coaching thing is easy. You know, just get right. the ball to your player and go about it. And then once he left, I'm like. Uh Oh, this is a little bit harder, you know, so I coached high school for five years um, in Indiana, I was a head coach for three. And then I was fortunate enough to go back to Butler under Brad Stevens at the time, who was a head coach asked me to be the director of operations. And I, I walked to that job, wherever, wherever he was, I was going. That's how I got into into the college profession.
1: Now, now was Brad uh, for your junior and senior year there, uh, was Brad the head coach then or was he an assistant?
2: He was a 24-year-old volunteer assistant when I got when he came on. And the next year he was director of ops and he was an assistant my last two years. Um and he he was my shooting, he was we all had our individual coach. So he was my shooting coach in the sense. And he always wanted to play one on one. I was like, Brad, why you do that? He said, Well, and I know if I can beat you, then you shouldn't be playing. So that was kind of his running joke. Um, but he—he he was um, to see it, to see where he is compared to 20 years ago. you knew it was coming, um, but I—I I, I never guessed in a million years that he'd be one of the greatest coaches in my eyes of all time. But he's always the smartest guy in the room. Uh, his his ability to delegate. His ability to make everyone feel a part of a championship um, was just something uncanny. And he has that knack to do that. I remember being director of ops for the Final Four. I felt like I had a lot to do with it, you know. But And that was from player Gordon Hayward who went to the NBA to player 15 that never got on the floor. We all felt involved. And that was something that I try to take from him that, um, that we try to implement in our program. But, man, he was sharp. And I was blessed to be around him for four years learning from him.
1: Well, I, I think, I think any of us that have had any measure of success in in this business, it, it, it doesn't happen by you doing it yourself. You, you know, you, right. you surround yourself with good people. One of our early episodes, uh, coach Mike neighbors, we, uh, he, he uses a lot of quotes from his Papa neighbors and, and, one of his Papa Neighbors quotes is if you look around the room and you can't find the chump, then you probably the chump. And right. so, so one of the things I pride myself in is I always am the chump, whether it be on his podcast with you, whether it be uh, with my staff, you know, I try and surround myself with, with good people. And so I don't mind being the chump because it means I'm in the right place. It means I've got good people to learn from around me and, and, uh, and yeah, you're very fortunate because you're right. Brad, Brad is at the top of the game these days, and and so absolutely a good guy to learn from for sure. Well, so 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 now you his GA. Uh, wh- wh- where does it go from there? What wh- what's the next step?
2: So well, I was um, director of ops. Um, you know, assistant director of operations basically means I, I couldn't coach on the floor, but I could help coaching the the coaches and stuff. So was there four years. And then the top assistant at Butler named Matthew Graves mm-hmm. um, job at the University of South Alabama. And he told me, he said, wherever we're going, I want you to go with me. And I said, please take me. And he said, well, we're going to Mobile, Alabama. I was like, where? You know, a <laughs> guy from Indiana. Um, so I look it up, and you see kind of the, the leprechaun story. You see all these things about Mobile. And it's kind of a running joke. I, I show my Mrs. Archie, Amanda, my wife and said, this is where we're going. And she just kind of shook her head. She's like, but that's having a queen and a princess like that. Um, she was gonna go wherever we went and take the kids. So um, packed their bags up and came to Mobile it Was part of University of South Alabama for five years. So my daughters were two and five at that time. And So really Alabama is all they've known. And you know, we've been here for going on 10 years now, besides the one year in San Antonio, you know, my running joke is I was born in Indiana, but Alabama has adopted me. And I, I really, I really, really, truly, when I say that, I, I mean that in every sense of the word that um, I'm part of the mobile basketball community, the community at UMS, and it's a special place to us. Um, so we really enjoyed, um, you know, 10 years ago, we never thought we'd be here longer than maybe two or three years, and now we're lifeless.
1: Well, I I totally get it. You know, I, I'm a Louisiana boy and uh really never even considered anything else. And and coached at Nickel State, then went up to UL Monroe and ends up at South Alabama. And and South Alabama to me reminded me so much of, of New Orleans, particularly if you go down Dolphin Street and you got the oak trees hanging over, you, you know, it reminds you of New Orleans. And and so uh it, it, it really became became my home and now and now you look at me what 20 years later here i am and, and you know it's just it's a great place to be and and uh you know I, I i do believe that that the you you talk about coming from basketball country up there in indiana i think since i've been here you can see the the game really evolving and getting better and better down here and kind of catching up to, uh, to, to some other places around the country.
2: I agree with that. You know, and I'm starting to get more involved in girls' or women's basketball because I have two daughters. And so I've been watching some of the high school games. And especially on the girls' side in the Mobile region, there's a lot of good teams and good basketball. And, and on the men's side, boys' side, it is getting better in my nine years. Um, you, you, you have some standouts, you know, the Barry Dunnings, the Tevin Browns, TJ Lang, it go on and on. Um, you know, even Riley Leonard at Fairhope, I thought he was one of the best basketball players I've seen down here. And I a starting, starting quarterback at Duke, which I'm cheering for him. Um, yeah. that happens, you know, so, but, you know, our time at South, we enjoyed it, you know, for whatever reason, we didn't win enough. And I, I've realized in this game of, of basketball, especially college, that's that's what matters. Um, you always hear coaches, I can't remember the exact quote, you're going to get fired uh, for doing the right thing, get fired for doing the wrong oh, I can't remember how it goes. But we, we Coach Graves is a great basketball mind, a great coach. I thought we had some good players. Um, just for whatever reason, it just didn't mesh. Um, and I, I'd say a lot of that, that coming from Indiana, the Midwest, I always try to explain it is the basketball is just different than down south it's not any better um it's just a different way and i think it took us two or three years to kind of figure out who we can bring into our system and style of play um and by that time unfortunately we didn't win enough um, and so we had to look for new jobs you know and then so i went to incarnate word for a year and then i, I heard about coaching island who's a dear friend of mine, I coached his son, Pat Nyland, who went to, I didn't coach him, he was a manager at South Alabama mm-hmm. with mess. And when I found out the job at university was Mobile, was opening up, I always wanted to come back. And that gave us an opportunity too. and um, I was able to get the job, and the rest has been history since then.
1: Well, you talk about Pat. I, I just saw Pat. I spent uh, a couple hours over there with him and Coach Kennedy. Uh, they had some workouts, and, and uh, so – you know, to, today I was uh, – it was kind of a basketball clinic day for me. I, I went over there for a couple hours. I'm getting a chance to visit with you for a little bit, and then I'm going to go over to University of South Alabama and watch Coach Fowler and the women there. So, so yeah, fun yeah, they're day.
2: At, they're at that other school across town. We don't mention them by name, but um, – That's right, that's right. We finally, uh, I'm trying to bring back that rival. I've heard stories of Mobile, Spring Hill, playing at the convention center – not convention center, civic center – um, you know, I, I would love to build that up again. And so, you know, me and Pat and coach Kennedy have talked about that. It's trying to get that game. We played last year. Uh The Rams were victorious and we're going down to spring Hill this year, I think November 12th. So we're trying to build that
1: up. Yeah. It's, it's always fun when you have those local rivalries, you know, for, for us here on a high school level, it, it, it's St. Paul's down the road and, Yep. Good Lord, we, we had some documented games th- this past year, and, and and one of which I don't want to talk about anymore. But uh oh, but but you know,
2: some- I, I'm involved in that with uh, kind of helping out with my daughter to fifth grade level. When we play, play the other fifth graders at St. Paul's, my goodness, I, I mean that that is that is a vicious rivalry that I could tell. And um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing those girls grow and playing a senior. So it's it was a lot of fun being just being a small part of that with. 10, 11 year old girls.
1: I, I, you know, I'll never forget. Everybody told me about the UMS St. Paul rivalry and uh, until you live it, you just, you just don't know. And and I will tell this story. I'm not going to say any names, but my first game against them, we upset them at St. Paul's The, the game ends And I'm just ready to get out of the gym. My boy's about to play, but I'm so mentally drained from our game. I just want to get out and get out of the gym and go home and have a glass of wine or something, whatever, because it was just exhausting. And one of the dads comes down from the bleachers, walks up to me, congratulates me, and gives me a $100 handshake
0: high school,
1: high school girls basketball. The only $100 handshake I ever received, never once in college, but, but yeah. in a high school girls basketball game. So, yeah, how about that?
2: I I believe that 100%. I can see that. Those parents, you know, they there's a bitter, bitter rivalry there, which I think is – I love it. I love seeing yeah. it.
1: It's fun. It's fun. Well, look, Coach, we're going to take a quick 60-second break, and we will be right back. And we're going to talk a little bit about your team and your upcoming uh, team uh, – and uh, let us know what's gonna happen here this year with uh, Mobile, one second.
0: Want to get away for the best vacation ever? Consider a group trip, whether a cruise or an all-inclusive resort. Let Toes in the Sand Travel help you get there. There are some amazing perks for group cruisers, Trust us, we do one almost every year, and we help so many of our friends as well. For a trip of a lifetime, give us a call. You can message me on Facebook at Kimberly Tanner Canova, or you can find our Facebook page, Toes in the Sand Travel, but be sure it's the one that has our smiling faces on there. Just reach out, we'll help you.
1: Hey honey, will you get packed? We got a cruise ship waiting on us now. (laughs)
0: Let's go.
1: I'm back. I'm back with Coach Darnell Archie, head men's basketball coach at the University of Mobile. Well, Coach, so we're talking about a little bit about your path and and getting to where you are now. And uh, so tell us now about your current team. Tell us a little bit about what we can expect, uh, maybe some of your goals, some of the things you do uh, at at Mobile. And uh, just tell us a little bit about the landscape over there.
2: I just finished up my third year. Um, You know, the the wins. Our hit and miss, we've been right around 500 the last three years, um, which is about on par uh, for where they've been the last 10 years. And University of Mobile basketball used to always go to the national tournament, and we're trying to get back there. Um, we returned 11 guys. Uh, I really, really like where our culture is. Um, you know, recruiting the University of Mobile, getting kids to stay. I wish you haven't had really a transfer problem but just getting them to be a part of the campus and stuff is it, hard. It, it's, it, it is it is difficult, uh, especially in the basketball sense of it. But most coaches in September would say they love their team right now. If you didn't, then you're you are probably you've done a poor job. But I really think we have a chance to finally get over the hump this year. You know, last year we got fifth in our league. Um, just to share a little bit with you, we had four teams make the tournament three make the sweet 16 and the national championship game was two teams from our league, uh, wow. Talladega. So it was absolutely loaded league. Um, thankfully we think the league will be a little bit down compared to that. Um, we'll be right there with Faulkner university with Scott Sanderson, who used to coach at the university of mobile. His teams are really good. And we think we have an opportunity to, to compete, um, uh, to be top two or three and get a chance to get to the tournament. And then from there, the rest is history. Um, so a little bit about us. My, my deal is my, my mantra is persistence against resistance. That's something that we, we, we talk about daily. Is fighting that human nature that says I'm tired, I'm lazy. Um, you know, I don't feel like working today or why does he get to shoot? Just fighting that you know, selfish urges and temptations, um, even outside noises and distractions. Like, how can you stay focused? So that's that's what we're big on you know, and I think our team has done a good job of persevering and building that, that program. And I, I said like 11 returners, we got a couple guys that's going to help us this year that plays a lot. And I think we're going to have a team that, that that's going to be there for a chance to, to win a championship.
1: Yeah, coach that, that you, you touched on uh, having a team that is unselfish, you, you know, that is hard, man. It, it really, it is really hard because I think we all, you know, when you look in the newspaper or you look on social media now, the first thing you see is how many points someone scored. Um, it, you know, and so to 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 find players that are sometimes willing to sacrifice uh, for the team and not worry about that 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 box score. you know, this year I've got a good I got a good problem in that I've got a couple kids that could start for a lot of people that that I'm going to need to come off the bench. And, and, and we talked, my coaches and I, we talk about that almost daily, you know, how can we sell this young lady and make her really uh, embrace that role? Because it's hard. And I'll tell you one of the things that I thought about, and, and a lot of people might think this is silly, but our first game of the year this year is against Viger high school. And I'm thinking to myself, what is the difference in reality? What is the difference between being a, one of the five starters or being that sixth, seventh, or eighth person coming off the bench? Because most of them are going to play about the same minutes. So the thing that I've decided to do is I'm going to announce everybody's name at in the starting. I'm not going to announce the starting five. I'm going to announce everybody. Because think about it, coach, that is the only difference. That is the only difference that starting five gets their name called. They get clapped for mom and daddy get to take their picture as they run out with the starters. I'm going to not, I'm going to announce them all. I love it, it. Well, you yeah. know, it's just, it's, it's about finding the right way to motivate these girls and guys and, and getting them all to buy in. And, and if that's what it takes, I will do that. I don't, I don't know what Coach Curtis is going to think about it, but I'm going to try and do it every night if I can at home. I can't. I can't speak for the road, but uh, try do. It every night, whatever we can do, right?
2: Right. It's just, a lot of times you ask kids, "Why do you want to start so much?" You know, you finally get realistic answers. It's to hear their name called. You know, mm-hmm. hear all do their <laughs> weird handshake and chest bump and go on about your business. But I love that idea. I love that in a sense because. As you said, sometimes players six and seven are going to play more than, you know, some of your starters, depending on the game. But that's that's what the great coaches do um, from what I've been around and seen is finding ways to you know, motivate, encourage and get. It's all about the team. You know, it's all about the team. But then at the same time is um, there's going to be distractions. Um, you know, I, I loved. I love coaching high school more than any other level I've been around, but um, you know, thankfully I don't have to deal with the parents as much as you guys do. Um, some people ask me, would you ever coach high school again? I said, probably not. And a lot of it d- to do with the parents. And, you know, unless they're, you know, funny joke is if I'm at an orphanage, oh, we don't
1: watch the ailment, yeah.
2: funny joke, but um, it's, it's the truth. You know, my last year in high school, I had a good group of parents, um, but it's just, they, they can be, they can be tough. You know, now that I, I am a parent, um, you know, I have daughters 14 and 11. I get it. I know I definitely get that you, you love your child and you want the best for your child. So I see it differently than I did at 27. Uh, for sure. I had a former coach. He coached at Miami Ohio and Wyoming. He was a former Indiana player. I coached one of his sons and he basically told me, I know, basically said, I know my son's not very good. But I have to fight for him, you know, and that really hit home. It's like I can't take it personally, you know. It's not I'm not I can't take it personally. It's just they love their child. Um, so, but that's why I'm coaching in college these days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys I don't envy you guys one bit.
1: It uh, th- there is that, and and, I, and I'm so blessed. I mean, look, I'm starting year seventeen at UMS right, so obviously. I've got a unique situation. Our parents are, are amazing and they're great. But but you're right. I mean, well, just take this podcast, for example. We've, had, we've put up maybe 36 episodes. I have three episodes. The third one isn't up yet. It'll be coming up soon. Three episodes on the coach-parent dynamic. Oh, if, yeah. if, if you're a coach, particularly in high school, and you are not on top of that, you're gonna be in for a a very short career. And and it it hits home exactly what you said. Parents, that is their greatest treasure, their child. And and they are going to fight for them. And and as a coach, you've just gotta come to grips with that. You've gotta understand that the priorities are different. A parent's priority, they at the end of the day, they don't care as much about your program as they do your child. I think, I think the key is, though, is a coach communicating with those parents and letting those parents understand, I understand your side, I respect your side, but you've got to respect my side. And the program has to come first from my seat. And I think as long as both sides respect one another, I think it's uh, you know, it's it's doable. I, I think in in 17 years. I've maybe had, you know, a handful of people that have, you know, gone to my AD and said, hey, you got to get this knucklehead out of here. He doesn't know what he's doing. But but typically it, it's it's because a child isn't playing and the and the parent thinks they should be, and and the coaching staff doesn't. Uh but but you know, it is what it is. I love my spot. And uh I'm thankful to have parents like 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 you and and, and your, your wife that if at least have been on the other side of it as athletes and, and your perspective is a little different than someone who hasn't been on, on an athletic side.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and I, it, I, I try right. to be realistic with um, expectations. Um, my daughter, is you. I think a lot of parents see it, they, they see it, but as we talked about, they they're going to fight for them. Yeah. Um, one thing to, to go back to my team, the, the thing that you know, I've been reading a lot of books this summer, uh, I've been reading The, the Secrets of Success about, by Nick Saban. He is the GOAT in our state, and he is the greatest football coach. Uh, I've been taking some good things from that book. When we started a leadership council, I have four guys, and we we've met three times, and it has been unbelievable, um, the, the stuff they have been sharing. And they get a little glimpse into my world. I get a glimpse into their world engaging the thermostat of our team and just watching them in conditioning and stuff. They're starting to hold each other accountable. And we always say it: good teams are led by the coach. Great teams are player-led. And I think this is the year for the University of Mobile that's going to be player-led um, in that sense. And all they want for me to do is hold them accountable, which I had a good conversation about that. I always say, do you really want me to hold you accountable or do you want me to hold your teammate accountable? And they kind of looked at me funny because I always said, give me a time when I didn't hold you accountable. And a lot of times kids can't, but they'll tell you, hey, I remember we didn't help um, Steve accountable. Like they remember that. So it's kind of scoreboard watching in a sense, but that's the stuff you learn um, in that sense. But uh, I do truly enjoy this team. We're going to try to be process goal oriented. You know, a lot of times we want to talk about the big picture, but I have a little saying, you know, win, W-I-N, what's important now, what's important next, and that's what we're focusing on. It, it's cliche, but, man, it works. It really works. Think about the process, and I, I have seen us grow leaps and bounds in that area.
1: Well, it's about celebrating all victories, you know, whether it's the the winning the day, winning the possession, you know, it's not just winning the game, you know, and and I know, you know, you hear coach Saban say about the process and sometimes people feel like that's, that's overused, but, but it is, it, it's truly about winning, winning the moment. And, and, uh, and if you do that, then, you know, you do that enough at the end yeah. of the line, you're going to be successful.
2: I, I tell my guys, you know, we got to get a stop. You know, you're um, up one with 10 seconds to play your intensity ratchets up. I said, if we can get that mentality every time down the court think about how good defensively we'd be and then vice versa you know at the end of the game we're always trying to get the best shot no one turns it over we extra pass like well, if we did that every single possession if we can do that more than not i think we'll be in a good good spot at the end of the game so okay. but that's that's the hard part cuz especially in a game of basketball at my level there's 70 possessions offensively and defensively um, so there's a, maybe a little more time. So how, how many of those possessions can we make the most, um, best shot or get the stop from? Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Well, coach, um uh, time on the wall is, is, is about up for us, but, uh, uh, look, man, I, I really, really appreciate you sitting in with us. I, I appreciate our friendship. I'm excited about the fact that, uh, you got two baby girls. That's, uh, that, that's, that's lady bulldogs. And, uh, much much success to you and your program going forward for sure.
2: Appreciate you having me on. Uh, I love what you're doing for the community of basketball and the whole, and let, let's keep it going.
1: Absolutely. Thanks, Coach. Have a great one.
2: You too.
0: That's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode. A big thank you to everyone who has continued to make this podcast become so popular. Please continue to share with your friends and colleagues. And when you have time, please take a minute to give it a five-star rating. Until then, we'll see you on the next episode.